and D podcast. How are you doing, Jimmy D? Per usual, I'm doing well, but I will not belabor the point. We've got a lot of talked about and not a ton of time. Yeah. Does, does anything get you more aroused than the sound of the NFL draft on ESPN? The dun, 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 dun. That's been about great if, all week. I don't know if it's number one, but it's definitely top three. So I, I think you're onto something there. Absolutely. So let's get into the news a little bit. A lot going on. And it all starts with Aaron Rodgers finally getting traded. What did you think of this trade? Everyone knew it had to happen. Everyone knew it was going to happen. It just for some reason, per anything Aaron Rodgers related, took way longer than it should have and was way just overblown. Um, I think both sides came out on top. The Jets needed a quarterback and the Packers needed to get rid of 60 million cap hit or 50 million cap hit, whatever it was, as well as a player that wasn't going to play for him. Uh, I, I think it's truly a tip your cap to both sides on that one. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like the Jets gave up too much? It felt like going into the negotiations, right? It felt like, okay, Rodgers is going to go for like a first and a second or something like that. And then as they went on, it felt like the Packers were losing more and more leverage. Maybe that package wasn't as big as we thought it was going to be relatable content. And therefore it's going to be more like a third round pick. And then all of a sudden it, it's back to that original thought. So do you think the, the Jets kind of mishandled how they went at this negotiation? No, I, I think it's just kind of proof that the Packers are a well-run organization and, and they knew, you know, like, look, the Jets need a quarterback. They've already passed on every free agent. Like this is their guy. We're going to hold Pat and get a fair trade. We're not going to panic because I, I agree. Like I know that they don't want to pay a guy that isn't going to play for him. But at the same time, like you don't have to give him up. You, you can let him retire. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, he's 39 years old, and Rodgers obviously has other ventures going on, so like it wouldn't be out of the question for something like that to happen. I am extremely happy that Rodgers is finally out of the NFC. I'm tired of tired of hearing about him. I've been tired of seeing his off-the-field antics. I've been tired of watching him beat the Lions on bullshit plays. I've been tired of seeing him getting the ultimate Tom Brady treatment at all times for a player who isn't as good as Brady. Let's just be honest. So I'm very happy that this deal finally went down makes the Packers like 99% more likable uh, just as a roster, in my opinion. And uh, I, I guess good for the Jets at this point. Like I, I felt like the offer ended up being way too much. Having that conditional first that like is almost guaranteed to be a first. Like we already saw this whole story happen with like Carson Wentz when he got traded to the Colts. I, I don't I don't love this for the Jets. Like honestly, I feel like they gave up a little bit too much for a 39 year old quarterback. That's kind of mercurial at this point. Like he's not coming off an MVP season at this point. So I I think a lot of people just because we usually look at this fantasy wise, I think a lot of people are going to get really really excited for like Garrett Wilson, CJ Ozoma, like a lot of those guys. But I think there's enough going on where and between Aaron Rodgers maybe declining a little bit and all those mouths to feed that it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment for a lot of those guys, maybe outside of Brees Hall. I'm still pretty high on Brees Hall, though. Garrett Wilson's going to be a fringe late first, early second, and I think it's going to be a lot like Allen Robinson back in those Jacksonville days where it's like it just never quite pans out the way you want unless you're getting him in the fourth. Yeah, like Rodgers doesn't have that down-the-field arm strength, which to not to hate on Zach Wilson. He obviously is the most down bad boy of the week. Zach Wilson at least had the arm strength to get it down the field to where Garrett Wilson wanted to be. Right. Like it was definitely some underthrown balls, but like at least it got there. Rogers at this point, he's not painting the outside of the numbers. Like he's between the numbers going 10 yards deep at all times playing that dink and dunk game. And I just don't really think that's what this uh, whole offense is supposed to be built around. And uh, honestly, another big thing going against Wilson, which Again, I think you and I both love him as an individual talent, just not necessarily in the scheme of this team. 
is Alan Lazard is freaking best friends with Aaron Rodgers. Like he's going to get 900 yards this season, almost guaranteed, probably like 10 touchdowns. Rodgers is going to be looking his way every single time. I have a strange feeling Garrett Wilson bag holders are going to be incredibly upset with the existence of Alan Lazard. They're going to find out a lot of, you know, what Packers fantasy holders have felt for a while, you know, the last four years here where it's like Devante had huge games or Garrett will have big games, but it's like, why is Lazard getting like three touchdowns or like red zone targets? Like stuff like that's just not going to make sense. And, and I th- it's going to cap his, his uh, ceiling for sure. Yeah. It's a very deep team, very big trade just to get the fifth overall seed in the AFC. What, what are your love expectations at this point for Jordan Love, the guy who's getting left behind in Green Bay? Clear, clearly is going to be a Hall of Famer now that the Packers quarterback has gone to the Jets. Um, yeah, if, if, if Rodgers sends a dick pic to a trainer, it's it's just, you know, time is a flat circle at that point. I mean, I honestly, I think if they if they get like a make the playoffs, not necessarily win the division, but they just make the playoffs. Like, I, I think you're very excited as a Packer. Uh, if they win the division, you're like, sweet. You know, this is the best possible scenario. Uh, it's it's going to start with fixing, excuse me, fixing that defense. And I think finding maybe one more weapon on offense, but they, they at least have the capital to do it over the next couple of years. Yeah. The roster's sick. Like, not going to lie. I, I really love this roster. And they went from one of the worst vibes teams in all of the NFL to one of the best vibes teams. You don't have Rodgers yelling at his young receivers anymore. You have a defense that's going to be able to kind of rebuild a little bit now that they're out from that Aaron Rodgers cap hit. And I think an underrated part of this entire team is LaFleur, a head coach. Like, he is incredible. And outside of last season, he's crushed it in terms of win percentage, making it to the playoffs. Obviously, it hasn't gone super deep in the playoffs. But I think this team has some real potential. And Jordan Love kind of just needs to be a bit of a caretaker. Like, you got A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones out of that backfield. And you mentioned another weapon. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Christian Watson takes another leap. And the guy everybody forgets about, too, in this offense, in my opinion, is, is Romeo Dubs, which I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. But those first six, seven weeks that he had, not too bad for a rookie, especially so early on in the season when you're still trying to figure things out and you're having to deal with Aaron Rodgers berating you every 10 seconds. Well, so I get, you brought up two huge points that I wanted to make sure we touched here, which is one. Does the, the leaving of Rodgers make the Packers finally start using more two halfback sets? They did it a little bit where you'd see. You know, kind of that like jumbo shotgun formation where it could go left or right and a halfback is getting the ball. It led to AJ Dillon doing a ton of lead blocking for Aaron Jones, which made me cry a little bit. Uh, but then the second part is who will be the Packers number one wide receiver. It sounds like you're thinking it's Christian Watson for sure. Yeah, I feel like it kind of has to be at this point, right? Like, I think that he's the most talented guy. He had an incredible hot streak down the end of the stretch last season and he gets touchdowns like. At the end of the day, like that's the name of the game is putting points on the board and he just kind of seems to have a knack for it. So I I just tried to pull up the depth chart on ESPN and it's funny. The only thing that they have listed is their defense right now because the rest of the roster is in flux, which feels kind of intentional at this point. So uh, I I like the roster. You kind of have the question on here of like who wins the NFC North at this point. I, I think there's a decent reason to be betting on the Packers at this point, right? Because we, we detailed out last week how much the Vikings have lost on their team just from attrition, from that huge Kirk Cousins cap hit, just not having the money to pay guys, and also having Dalvin Cook on that roster is also super expensive. So that, that kind of hurts the Vikings to a degree. 
the Bears, meanwhile, have definitely retooled on offense, adding a ton of new weapons for Justin Fields. But that offensive line is such a question mark. And you and I both kind of seem to agree they overpaid a little bit on defense, uh, especially with like non-value positions like linebackers. So there's a little bit of depth issues that they got there at the top of the roster. And as much as I love my Lions, I, I mean, it's Jared Goff, dude. Like, yeah, he's doing the thing where he got the little roller coaster going on where we're at the peak, we're at the top, where it's super exciting and we're we're hitting a good Jared Goff season. But like that just signals to me that next season we're going to be in a trough. We're going to be in a valley and a down cycle and Jared Goff won't be as good. And they just overpaid for a running back themselves. So I think there's some some holes that could be on that roster, especially on the defense. And uh, you, you have later on the pod here, no more Jameson Williams either. So I don't know what's going to happen with this roster at this point. And NFC North has got to be the most exciting division this year, uh, maybe as well as AFC East, just with like the amount of like solid quarterback play that should be in the AFC East. Um, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun division to watch for sure. Yeah, AFC East is gonna be scary. But let's get the AFC East a little bit. So, yeah, should Jets be the AFC East favorite in your opinion? Is that kind of where we're at at this point? I think it's still the Bills. Um, I mean. I, I, Mainly just because it's like the Jets going to jet like they've got to prove it. And if they do, then I think people like once the Jets really click, I think you're going to start just hammering them on on any bet possible. But until then, you're just not sure. Like, I mean, he's got to get used to his new team. It's not like you just walk in. I don't know if you remember Brady's first year in Tampa, but they they, they were a wild card team that just kind of or not wild card. They barely won their division. No, no, they were a wild card. Never mind the Saints one. Yeah. So they, they kind of walked into the uh, the playoffs and just got hot because they finally figured it out together like that might be this year's Jets yeah I mean if you're looking at all the rosters now they're all solid in the AFC East like it's gonna be a dogfight to get to the top and I don't really feel like this is like the AFC West which I think a lot of people are going to compare it to the AFC West of last year where like all the teams look pretty good and then a couple of them fell off just from some tactical issues I really think that all four of these teams could legitimately make the playoffs. Like the, the Patriots are the Spurs of the NFL. They just never go away and they always are solid. You got the the Dolphins, who honestly probably are my favorite in the AFC East, if I'm being real. They got Tua coming back. He apparently was considering retirement, but he's good to go. You have the best wide receiver tandem and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And you just picked up Jalen Ramsey for free, basically. The Bills are super good, as much as I don't want to admit that. And the Jets, I, as much as I was hating on Aaron Rodgers, like he's basically a guaranteed five seed with that roster, just like with everything going on around him um, and all, all the all the good weapons that they have. So it's going to be a true rock fight, just going back and forth trying to decide who wins this. It honestly might end up being like a situation where we see three or four teams with like 11 wins. And then the fourth team has like nine wins and sneaks in as like a seven seed or something like that. It's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. And and I think, or I guess just trying to keep here with a little bit more Packers news. So like, what do you do with, with Jordan love? Um, I mean, obviously you have to sign his fifth year contract or his fifth year option, you know, by May 1st. So they've got a few days to decide, but I'm almost of the mindset. You go ahead and just give him the fifth year. That gives him two. Like, it gives you two years to figure out whether or not he's your quarterback, or at the very least, it gives you this year plus next year with him as a bridge. Like, I, I don't know why you wouldn't sign his fifth year option. Yeah, and it's kind of tough, right? With their roster being built to win now, they do have some younger guys, but like some of those other guys that are really at the top of the roster, like. 
Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, et cetera. Like those guys are built to win now. And that's how they set up their roster. And if you're like just punting on it completely, which like might be the better option, just like long-term, I think you're really doing a disservice to that roster, to your city, to that team. And they could compete like we just brought up. So I, I think that you re-sign Jordan Love, just like you mentioned, you definitely pick up that option. You try and put him on like a one or two year deal if it's if it's an option. You know, if he goes on a Daniel Jones run, you're kind of putting a rock in a hard place. So I, I think that they have good options, but eventually Jordan Love's going to come back to bite them a little bit because his top level just like isn't anywhere near some of the other top end talents that we have at quarterback in the NFL right now. And like realistically, they'd probably be better off tanking for like Caleb Williams or something like that just to fully complete this roster. But I don't know. Do you think that they might be like a candidate for the next disgruntled quarterback? Like let's say Kyler Murray comes back in October and he's like, hey, trade me. I'm tired of Jonathan Gannon. Do you think that they would be a candidate? I'm going to say no, just because that's not a Packers-esque move. Uh, They really like to build from within. Uh, I I think they like Love quite a bit. There's a reason they traded up to get him when they got him. Uh, You just can't play him over a guy that's going supernova, which Aaron Rodgers did the the last three years of his his time with the Packers. We'll we'll see into this season. They might try to make a move like that, but I got to think they really like what they have in the building. But maybe we'll see if, you know, if like an Aaron or Anthony Richardson falls to, to 13, do, do they snag him? You know what I mean? Like they, they've got a pretty decent pick and they've got a lot of opportunity to move up now with that draft capital. You know, if the, if, if the guy they like falls, maybe they move up to eight or six or seven, you know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, just throwing this out there. So what which team really needs to tank next year, right? Who really needs to build up some draft capital and really have good picks? My immediate thought, is the Rams, right? Like what if they trade Matt Stafford to the Packers and like, it made it's like a second round pick because the contract's really high and Stafford wants to go to a winner and everything. Like, I, I feel like that would be a pretty good marriage. I, I would hate to see it as a Lions fan, but like if you're the Packers and you think you're a quarterback away and you can get someone on the cheap and Jordan loves just not cutting the mustard in camp, like that's maybe something you try and pursue. I don't know. No, I, I don't hate that, if, especially if they find out very quick, like, oh, shit, Love is not who we thought he would be coming into camp. Yeah, let's go grab a vet guy for two years here. Um, but I, I don't think they're a candidate for tanking. I, I mean, the only team that really stands out is like, Jesus, they need to look themselves in the mirrors, the Cardinals and, and maybe the Colts. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they have picked three and four this year. So like that could be enough to really turn your your team around. Probably not the Cardinals, but maybe the Colts. I mean, I think we're just underrating Danny Etling here, right? Like he's QB two right now, but he could be an MVP candidate by the end of the year. That's the Packer way. All right. So now it really brings up the the question, who's the better Packer all time? Just looking at their Packer body of work, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, now that Rodgers is done. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean Aaron Rodgers, uh, what, four MVPs over his tenure. Same same number of Super Bowl wins, but a ton of NFC championship appearances. That's kind of salt in the wound, but it's, it's nothing to scoff at. Like, making the NFC championship game is truly difficult, so winning it is even that much harder. Um, lost to some great teams, right? Legion of Boom, uh, Supernova Brady. Matt Ryan. Um, that just really good 49ers teams every chance they had. Yeah, Matt Ryan, uh, when the, the Falcons just couldn't lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely has had some, some bad luck. And as far as the teams he's run into in the playoffs, but he, he's always been, you know, a pretty big stalwart of that championship game. I, I just, 
and this could just be my age showing like just not old enough to really understand peak Brett Favre but I just I don't remember the Brett Favre Packers that way I, I remember him being a gunslinger but like they weren't like oh this is a lock for the NFC championship game type team that's funny because I was going to kind of say the opposite like Aaron Rodgers' top-end early talent, like those like early 2010 seasons, were insane. Like the games where he was doing the silent count, doing the fake snap, everything like that, that was some crazy-ass stuff. Like putting up 50 touchdowns to only like four interceptions, that was super memorable. But like in terms of like individual performances, like I only remember like a couple of games really off the top of my head, like those Seahawks games, a couple of Cowboys comes back, comebacks and everything. Brett Favre, I feel like I remember even more of his games. And it's probably just nostalgia just really biting me. But like I remember like that Giants game where they were in the NFC championship game and uh, Brett Favre almost single handedly brought them back in the snow. Uh, there were just a lot of uh, Brett Favre games that like I feel like were a little bit more memorable, but. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, just the the full body of work. It's hard. It's hard to go against him. The interception number, I think, is just such a big deal. Like the number of picks that Brett Favre threw versus the lack thereof for Aaron Rodgers. I I mean, just keeping the ball on on the offensive side is just so much, or it's just so important, especially in today's NFL. That I feel like end of the day, Aaron probably did did it better. Yeah, I, I think the thing that demarcates him right is their his ability, Aaron Rodgers' ability to reinvent himself. Like Brett Favre at the end of his career just kept being the same guy. And he definitely had a little bit of resurgence with the the Vikings. But the thing that I think defined Rogers was whenever he was about ready to have a downswing, right. Whenever he was having a couple of bad games, got injured, whatever. Like, I don't know if you remember like that 2015, 16 season when like Brett Hundley came in and started nine games, like Rogers looked done almost like the whole Packers organization looked like it was ready to just fold in my mind. And then you, Rogers comes back and rips off like three more MVPs has, he has like multiple seasons in a row where like, he is like the worst quarterback analytically and then just completely flips the script. And he goes from one of the most pensive quarterbacks who's not willing to throw interceptions and make mistakes to a guy who's really willing to take risks and really push the ball downfield. And I think that's kind of what defined Rogers at the end there was just his ability to change up what he needed to do in order to compete in the modern NFL. And that was pretty damn impressive as much. I mean, as also like his, his ability, and again, not a Rogers fan, but his ability to just all of a sudden turn it on. I mean, it, it would be like this. To, oh, there's no way this Packers team is doing anything. And then Rogers just like, you know what? F it, I'm going to play like just it, like not even on the same stratosphere as the other quarterbacks. Like I'm going a step above. And, and it's truly the idea, like, I know I've said it a few times already, but like supernova Aaron Rodgers is a thing. And he would just pick like a six game stretch where he's like, yeah, we're going 40 points a game and we are not losing. And he would just go off and just make insane passes all over the field. And uh, again, I just don't remember Brett doing that. But again, I'm luckily the first time ever we get to say this in the pot. I'm not old enough to know that for sure, though. So that's crazy. I figured you just knew Dan Marino. You just had the highlights bra- uh, melted into your braid at this point. 100%. Also, Aaron Rodgers, sneaky athletic. Am I right? Sneaky athletic, yeah. Real lunch pail guy. Really knew when to run and how to run. It was impressive stuff. Yeah. Lions player suspended. We brought it up briefly. I want to talk about it more. Do you think this was a fair suspension for the guys who got suspended? The guys that matter. Like, I don't give a fuck about Cephas. Does it was it fair for Jameson Williams? What's your opinion? Just based off the fact that the rules are no gambling in team facilities, and that's what they did. Like I, I think so. I, I the big thing is like 
these gambling suspensions, and again, we have to emphasize he was not gambling on NFL football. He was gambling on college football, but within a team facility, which is a no-no. That's why he's only getting six games, whereas some of the other guys were getting the full indefinite suspension a la Calvin Ridley. Um, I I get it. These guys are going to gamble. Like that's, that's just what young dudes with money do. Like they love taking risks. They love chasing the thrill. I understand that. But with the amount of scrutiny that's going to be coming down uh, on every major sports league, NBA, especially because they really made the big push to making gambling mainstream. Like these guys have to be buttoned up because every time uh, something like this leaks out, it just makes it that much easier to believe you know, the stories of like, oh, this game was fixed or, oh, like clearly the NFL is pulling on the reins to keep these games close or keep Vegas happy. Um, like these guys have to be ironclad because every time this happens, it just looks just so bad for the league. Yeah, Kanye West said it best. Under more scrutiny, act more stupidly. It just seems like the way it happens. The, the thing that bothers me, though, is this very much so feels like the letter of the law versus like the spirit of the law, right? Where like the letter of the law says like, ah, oh, the law is the law. You got to follow it, blah, blah, blah. Spirit of the law is like, oh, what is it like socially matter, right? Like everyone, what generally people would agree with, right? Kind of like a jury of your peers to a degree. And like, this definitely feels like it should have been more of like a spirit of the law thing. Cause it's like, if Jameson Williams was a hundred yards outside of that facility and he wasn't like in the range of the facility and he placed that exact same bet, he would have been exactly fine. Like completely fine. He could have gone down to Vegas and done it. He could have gone to New Orleans and done it. Cause as you mentioned, it wasn't on an NFL game and he would have been fine. And that's just what kind of bothers me. And I'm glad that they were smart enough to demarcate the guys who were doing the real bad stuff versus the the guys who are just like, you know, kind of messing up and didn't give Jameson Williams a full season suspension. But this is just tough, dude. Like six games is a lot. Like Deshaun Watson originally got six games for what happened where what he did. And like that is significantly worse than placing a small bet. And yeah, I get it. Like you can't have guys betting on games because that can definitely ruin the integrity of the game for sure. But like it's it was a college football game or whatever it was. Like I don't care, dude. It's just like me placing a bet on a hand of blackjack or playing, you know, craps on the on the team playing. Like it doesn't matter that much. So I thought it's a bit harsh. Do you feel like the sport matters? So because it was football, like I mean, these guys are young; they still know guys in the league. Like, do you think that plays a, a bit of it? Like, say he was betting on NBA, you almost feel like that is slightly different than betting college football. But at the same time, to your point, letter of the law: just don't place the bet while you're on team facilities. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it matters. I, I think the sport matters to a degree. I I just hate this whole situation, right? Like, betting has become such a prominent thing in sports culture. And, like, you literally have announcers in games, like, being like, oh, yeah, like, this is what I think the next play is going to be because DraftKings has this bet where if you guess what the formation is on the next play, like, you make 100 bucks, like... And then the players aren't able to do any level of, like, capitalization on that. Like, it all feels really scummy. And it, it just goes back to, we've talked about on the pod before, the Tim Donaghy stuff. Like, it's so easy to get insider information on a lot of this stuff. Like, like if you knew about, like, Darren Fox and his injured tip of his finger right now beforehand, it'd be so easy to smash the Warriors tonight. Like, it's just really easy to get that kind of information, and it's just kind of more spread out in those, like, inner circles. And so I, I don't really see like too much of an issue here. I don't yeah, know. I, I brought this up in my, my group football uh, chat uh, and, and I never thought I'd be the one to say it, but I feel like the more prominent gambling becomes in sports or more mainstream, like just the worse it is for sports. Like 
I was always so big into into the betting and, and fantasy football, et cetera. But it's like now that it's every other commercial is a DraftKings or FanDuel commercial and the stadiums are like including casinos on like in the stadium, et cetera. I, I'm starting to really get a sour taste for for sports betting and, and wanting to maybe just go back to a pure game of football where, you know, gambling was all kind of in the backwood or like the back alleys, et cetera. Yeah, it feels scummy. Was it the rush for you? The fact that you had to like bet on Bovada or some scummy ass? <laughs> yeah, to go to some Caribbean website. website. <laughs> yeah, go go to the dark web and use Bitcoin. I, maybe that was that was the thrill. <laughs> yeah, that's what made it good. That was what, you Zoomers what, have it too easy. That's what sports betting was peak. Alrighty, NFL draft time, dude. What the fuck is happening with the NFL draft? So. For folks that haven't been paying attention, the betting odds are all over the place. It's it's it was kind of consensus for a while that Bryce Young was going to be the favorite. He was minus one thousand on most betting uh, sports books, and then all of a sudden we just have chaos. Tyree Wilson is now the favorite to go number two overall. Apparently, Will Levis is the new favorite to go number one overall. You you've been on the Reddit boards. What's going on? What's happening? Why is this a thing? Well, this kind of ties into to gambling here, but as far as like ease of information, so Will Levis was a either fifty or five hundred to one to be the number one overall pick, and then a dude makes a Reddit post saying, "Hey, I'm friends of the family of Will Levis," and he's saying to everyone, "The Panthers told me they're drafting me at one." And then his odds went from 500 to like 50 to 10 to one. So there's obviously some merit to that statement. But again, like if you just know Will Levis and you're like, hey, who's the most interested in you? And you could just destroy like those prop bets. You could you could make a pretty penny off of just like knowing NFL players or I guess knowing college players are about to go to the NFL. Um, I, I think it's still it's still Bryce Young. But but again, to your points, like it went from CJ being the consensus to all of a sudden out of nowhere, Bryce Young is now the consensus to like, oh, Levis is making that late Baker Mayfield type push. And who knows, maybe he'll go number one overall. Yeah, I think you and I both agree that like betting markets are pretty dang efficient. Like I think back to the 2020 and 2016 presidential elections, like as those nights were going on, betting markets were super strong, super efficient. They knew ahead of time on a lot of what was going on. And adjusted quickly, even more so than a lot of the polls that we saw as those campaigns were happening and ended up being pretty dang correct on both ends. And so watching this happen, I'll react to just one Reddit post or seemingly just one Reddit post seems crazy. Like you've said it before, the sports betting markets, they, they aren't in business to give consumers money. They're in business to make money themselves and they're going to do what's best for them. And I, I tweeted this about an hour ago, and I'm just reiterating it here. The last draft that we saw that kind of went down like this was the NBA draft from this past year. And what happened in that draft, and this is what I think is reflecting in this draft, is for days, weeks leading up to the NBA draft, the thought was the Orlando Magic were taking Jabari Smith Jr. number one. And then legitimately an hour before the draft, everything switched. All of a sudden, you have Waj, you have Shams, all those guys tweeting out, oh, it's not Jabari anymore. They're pivoting to Paulo Bancaro. And like maybe there's some insider information beforehand to be able to adjust that, but the betting markets all said that it's Jabari. Waj said it was going to be Jabari. And I think that the betting markets took a huge bath on that, and now they're being really, really sensitive to any information that could be changing their betting odds. And they're like, we don't want to have that happen again. we got to get this number one pick right. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, with the the whole part of 
they're in the business of making money. Like the second you see huge swings, there's basically two things that are happening. Either a they're doing that to entice bets on on what they know is a losing bet because sometimes those huge swings get people to hammer it anyway, right? Like they they wanted Will Levis at five hundred to one, but now it's fifty to one. They go all in on him. Like they they're aware of of the kind of the the psychology behind it. But in general, those massive swings are like, we cannot lose our ass. Holy shit, I can't believe this is, you know, what's happening. Like, hurry up and change the line just so we're not, you know, so we're covered. It's all risk management, making sure they they get their nice cut at the end of the day. Yeah. You don't think there's any angle for like a smoke screen here, right? With the Panthers, like floating that information that Levis could go on. I don't know. Because really they, they, they have the number one pick. They, they don't care, right? Like they, they should have known a week ago who they're taking. I hope they're not switching all of a sudden, but like. Yeah. They should be. They should be cool as a cucumber. As the Texans, this is who you want. Like the Texans are floating the smoke screen, like getting people really excited, thinking Levis goes one. All of a sudden, that number two picks hella valuable because you get either CJ or Bryce Young. Like, hey, happy to trade down to four because we weren't going to take a quarterback anyway, right? Then they get either Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson at four if they trade with the Colts, etc. Like they're they're in a really good spot if they can smoke screen their way into getting someone really amped up to try to trade up to number two. Yeah, that's a super good theory. I like that a lot. H- have you seen the the movie Draft Day? No, I, I just know the quote, you pancake eating motherfucker or whatever. <laughs> so I, I love that meme, but uh, it's all it's about all I know. Yeah, it's really funny because in the in the movie, I just rewatched it earlier this week. Got to get prepared for the draft. Got to watch some film, you know. And it's really funny because there's like this one part where they start watching film of this linebacker. And all of a sudden, like nobody knew anything about this guy. None of them had seen that tape, apparently. It's like, really? You've had months to do your due diligence. And all of a sudden you're like changing your mind. And like in my head, I was like, this would never happen in real life, right? Like NFL teams do their due diligence. They're smart enough to not do that. And then we have this whole Will Levis situation, this whole Tyree Wilson situation, where it feels like NFL teams just aren't smart. Like, I don't want to say I'm smarter than an NFL team because I know they have really great like quantitative analysis going on in their teams. But it's like, is Jim Ursay pulling the strings here? Like, I feel like the dumbest people are the ones who are getting their way with these NFL teams, and it's tough. I, to watch. I think that's the the big part right there. You hit nail on the head or head on the nail. But it, it, the owners, I think, say, "Hey, I own this team. This is my guy," and it screws up. You know the the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars they pay for scouting departments where it's like a guy's entire job is to watch big 10 football and tell you which big 10 players are the best players to come out. And like, they're like, ignore it. I like Levis. He shook my hand firmly. He's got a strong arm. That's our pick. That's a guy that my, I want my daughter to date kind mm-hmm. of at all times. Okay. Do you want to move on to our game at the end here? Yep. I said that's a, it's pretty good. Good timing for it. Okay. You want to explain it for us? Yeah, so I gave uh, the classic Would You Rather game. Uh, we're doing draft edition, so I'll give Mac a hypothetical where he has to pick one or the other of what he would want to happen to his precious Lions, and then Mac will do the same for me. So to start us off here, Matthew Mac, would you rather the Lions draft Will Levis at pick six or end up trading out of the top ten? Reason being, we've kind of highlighted how much you love the top like eight people, and then after that it really drops off. Yeah, I thought 
I usually play a dirtier version of Would You Rather, but this is also kind of dirty. Got dirty thoughts in my mind of drafting Will Levis. That that would actually put me into a tailspin. Um, I would definitely rather trade out of the top 10. I'm okay with trading out of the top 10. Wouldn't be ideal because we have a second pick that's already outside of the top 10. So like realistically, if there's a guy we love in that range, we can just go ahead and get him at 18 or 16 or wherever we draft. So I wouldn't love it, but it's definitely better the alternative. I think Will Levis is a trash can. I think Levis deserves to be like a high second rounder, very much so like a Zach Wilson. He's got potential. I, I could see the vision if the Lions were to draft him in the second round, but in the top 10, you got to be shitting me. So top out, get outside the top 10, get one of those guys that's falling a little bit maybe, or get a guy that you, you just think is really solid. Like I think like JSN could still be in that range. I think, Zay Flowers could still be in that range. And I, I do agree that there's like a teardrop. I've been saying that kind of for a while now. But I think that there's still guys that if you're like in that like 15 range where the Patriots are at, you could feel pretty good about yourself with a pick that you get there. So that's why I would rather. I would definitely try out the top 10. So my first would you rather for your precious New England Patriots. Would you rather the Pats trade up for one of the top three quarterbacks? Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, or Bryce Young, or keep Mac Jones. Yeah, so here's the scary part. I've seen some things that say that the Pats actually really like Levis, like they were impressed <laughs> on his meeting. Uh, if that's the case, we're keeping Mac. Um, this is just what does it come down to? So does CJ Stroud somehow fall to 10, 11, 12? You're trading up a couple picks. I, I'm okay with that. I get it. If I have to trade to three to grab one of these guys, like, no, I mean, you have to trade so much. And, and I think. You know, Mac's rookie season was so promising, followed by having Matt Patricia as his coach. Like, I'm okay giving him another couple years. And if he's not the answer, like, Zappi proved to be pretty serviceable last year. Like, we have options at quarterback. We've always been able to develop quarterback. We do not need to reach. Like, we're okay letting the best player fall to us. Yeah, absolutely. That range ain't bad at all. And, like, you can get one of these guys that, like, was considered really high for a while, like Cancy or Christian Gonzalez, Miles Murphy, Breesy, if that's kind of your thing. Like, I think there's a lot of guys in that range that make for a sure. lot of sense. So the next one for you, and this is probably thinking like top six or top 18 pick, but would you rather end the draft with Bijan Robinson or Tyree Wilson? You know, at that range, it's tough because like drafting any running back at 18 is kind of hard. I, if 18, it's Bijan, I, I would do it. Like, I think that's the better pick. I, I'm not a believer in Tyree Wilson. I wouldn't take him first round if I'm being real. I, I think he's a bust. So I, I'm going Bijan to 18. Okay. Next one for you. Would you rather draft a draft riser? Like I'm trying to think of a name. One of the guys is just like getting a lot of buzz right now, you know, or draft a, a guy who's falling like miles Murphy, miles Murphy or Brian Breesy or something like that. I'd say faller. That, that's just the classic. Let the, let the talent fall to you. Uh, you know, let, let kind of that miss, um, mismatch of, of the market work in your favor. And that's just what the Patriots are really good at doing. Uh, I, I feel like we've never been great at the, the trade up, but that trade back and get really good, just like a bunch of really good players, uh, I think ends up working out for us. So I, I'm always for that fall and move back and, and get good value. Yeah. Let everybody else overthink it. I agree. Uh, so then for you tied end at 18 or running back at 18. So again, we talked about, you don't love taking running backs early. You talked about this tight end class being, it's incredibly hyped, but you know, you don't love the round one talent. So would you rather get a Dalton Kincaid, a Musgrave at 18, or would you rather just grab Bijan because he could be generational? 
Yeah, you're giving me a lose-lose situation here. I, I've been reading up even more about the tight ends. I don't like. I think it's why I just don't like Michael Meyer. I like some of these other guys a little bit more. I like Sam Laporta. I don't know, maybe at 18. I like Dalton Kincaid enough. It might, it might just be that I don't like Michael Meyer. Um, I, I also go running back because I think I think Swift isn't long for the Lions at this point. I don't think he plays a lot this year. And Dave Montgomery, I don't think sticks around too much longer either. Cause like realistically we can get off of his contract after only two years, even though it's a three year deal. So I wouldn't hate drafting a guy that could be the next Adrian Peterson, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to be John. Like it. Last, not last one, second last one for you. Would you either the Patriots draft Quentin Johnson, who we kind of are both a little down on or Keon white, one of the biggest yeah, this, risers. This is absolutely brutal because I don't want Nikhil Harry 2.0. And that's so easily what Quentin Johnston could be. Um, and then Keon white to our point, that's the ultimate riser, right? He goes from undrafted to he's invited to the, to the first round uh, draft ceremony. Like, Oh, that's brutal. But I think I have to take Johnston. His tape is better in college, even though I don't think he's that great. Like I would assume that means we traded down to maybe 30 or something, but uh, if that's who we grab at 14, I'll cry and just hope for the best. That's a need. Yeah. And then for you, would you rather get CJ or make the NFC championship this game year, the game this year? NFC championship game. I don't think people realize how starved I am for playoff success and Lions fans in general. That would be, that'd be a Super Bowl win. Uh, NFC championship game. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. Last one for you. Jets, Bills, or Dolphins win the division this year. Which one would you rather win? Dolphins. I hate, I hate the Jets. Don't like the Bills, they're Dolphins, like, or whatever. Yeah. They're like, all right, and then and then just a fun, funny one. Would you rather take a hit from Vontez bon- Perfect one time, or watch Calvin Johnson's retirement speech every day for the rest of your life? I'll never forget where I was when Megatron retired. I was on a hammock, and I literally fell out of my hammock, and that was a painful experience. I would take the hit from Vontez Perfect. I think I could take it. He's a pussy. You might my- actually get concussed, but I love it. My one for you. Would you rather hang out with Aaron Hernandez for a day or Antonio Brown for a day? Is this jerks off in a pool Antonio Brown or uh, kicks a putter in the face Antonio Brown? There's a lot of options. You never really know what you're going to get. Oh, I'll probably day. take AB, although honestly, my safety might be might be uh, hampered with both of them. I, I might legitimately be in harm's way with either. I'll still take AB, though. Wow. Over a Patriot. Are you really a fan? I mean, he was a Patriot for a game. You know, he caught a touchdown pass from Brady. Truly. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's our time, though. We we actually kept it within the time limit. I'm sure we're on the last seconds here as we figure out our recording situation. But um, good pod. I, I've been yawning this whole time. I think you've yawned a couple of times. It might be good to just relax for a bit, check out the draft, and then make fun of everyone and act like we know what the hell we're talking about when it's all said and done. Oh, yeah. Remember when I thought Odell was going to be a bust? Good times. I'm so good at that. Exactly. All right, you have a good one, my dude.